Alrighty, so good evening or good morning again, folks, ladies, gentlemen, and everybody else out there. Uh, welcome to another broadcast, another episode. What we are doing this time, in keeping with the COVID measures, we're still doing the social distancing. And so this time is just going to be a little bit more of me giving a little bit more backstory on the party and the world, things like that. We are also going to be continuing to edit and upload our backlogged sessions, but at a little bit of a slower rate than the normal one per week. Just to try to make sure that we've always got some nice, new, fresh, and interesting content for you folks to help while away your self-quarantine and social distancing as well. So, this time, what we're going to be going over is a particularly noteworthy event that happened in the group's past. Uh, the party on the night of Twin Moons experienced dreams, all of which seemed to have representation from both a god or goddess and a devil or deviless. And so the group took a lot of interest in this. The Night of Twin Moons is the night when both of the moons of Arlan are full. It's not common. When it does happen, it's been highly linked with the supernatural, with increased occurrences, much like full moons on Earth, perhaps. On this night, all of the party members received a dream, and along with that dream, received a boon, which they were able to cash in at a later date for various things. Uh, some have been cashed in, some have not yet. Some are still in the process. So I'm going to read out these dreams now. Calry was not a member of the group at the time, so there was one for Planeswalker, one for Yolanda, one for Armina, and one for Quixie. I'm going to go through them in that order. Planeswalker. You're at the tavern again, where you spent your day earning money, acting as a bouncer. You're inside the same crowd, the same maelstrom of activity. You see a couple of rowdy folks, a little bit too rowdy. Grab them, drag them outside. The standard spiel that you've been giving all day. No hitting each other in the city limits. They turn their anger toward you, rising from the ground where you've tossed them, with fists furled and fury in their eyes. You stand up to your full height, trying to intimidate them by your pose. Your shadow is cast forward by the light of the tavern behind you. You see it shift, swell, lengthen, as if you yourself grew. Long roads seemingly protrude from your body, and the thick haft of some great weapon grows from your back, evident only by the shadow. The two men on the ground run away. You look down again, but your shadow is your own now, and no robes are on you. Peculiar. Strange. A dark whisper like a small chorus of sibilant voices urges you, almost taunts you behind your ear. Are you just going to stand there and let them escape? You look up, and the two who are running shift forms until they look like two of the men who once laughed at you after a certain farm had burned to the ground. Your fists clench, 
tightly at your side, gripping painfully, and you waken. So that was Planeswalker's Dream. Next up, Yolanda. Yolanda, you're on the rooftop again. Eris in front of you, smiling softly. In place of his normal clothes, however, he wears only ratty scraps of ill-fitted canvas and burlap, poor beggar's clothes, the sorts of clothes that poor beggars even would be reticent to be caught in. However, he himself doesn't look ragged or poor necessarily. He steps toward you and takes your hand, smiling, presses a soft kiss to your lips, and wraps you in a hug, wings wrapping tight behind your back. When you release and step away, his tatters of burlap have changed to bare scraps of red silk, deliberately scant, and he spreads his wings wide and beckons you toward a bed which has appeared behind him. A voice whispers in your ear, All denying yourself will do is guarantee that someone else will take it. Then, though, the rooftop is gone, and Eris sits on a log in his normal clothes, in a field that you recognize, a field near home where you first heard an angel's voice. He smiles and pats the log next to him, wraps an arm and a wing around you when you sit, and he looks up at the stars with you until you fade slowly back into consciousness again. Alrighty. Next up, next dream came to Armina. Armina, you are surrounded by smoke of a thousand colors, some acrid and some sweet-smelling. You hear the click and tick of clockwork and small tools in the distance. The smoke around you thickens. It rubs at your face. You can feel it. It is so thick. It condenses and becomes fabric, a thousand silken scars which whirl and swirl before coalescing in front of you into a tiefling figure, covered from nose to toe in scarves and robes, only eyes and horns, tail and hands protruding. They hold your pistol in hand, curiously regarding it. Then the match, those smoldering beginnings of a gunshot at the beginning, flicks forward and the scarves explode with a sound of laughter in your ears and you hear the boots of guards, the guardsmiths of your home city, you see. And you snatch up a flying scarf and begin to run. You dash through familiar streets, both crowded and empty, pulling disguises on and off and ducking in and out of the shadows with ease and with mounting glee, the delighted laughter in your ears being joined by your own giggles as you effortlessly faint around your enemies. Until you waken. Next up, and lastly, is Quixie. Quixie. You're in that same library again. The same one as you've seen before. Looking up at the ceiling, it has chairs, tables, small, comfortable sofas. It looks like a floor, as does the one on which you stand. Similar chairs, similar tables. Different, different chairs, different tables. But similar. 
bookshelves rise from the ground and extend all the way to that ceiling, that alternate floor, hundreds of feet above you. You've seen this before, but this time you feel a purpose. You need to find information that will help you and your friends. Those same ladders lead up, up from the floor, down from the ceiling, up from the ceiling, down from the floor. You climb and begin to look through books, discarding them one by one, putting them back on their shelves as you glance at their spines and deem them unworthy, or glance in their contents. Some are empty. Some are written in black ink on white paper in scripts unknown to you. Some are well-known, but simply useless information. You climb higher and higher. And as you do, you begin to forget which side was the side you climbed from. Gravity becomes meaningless. You are sideways on the ladder, sidling along it rather than climbing at all. You cannot recall if the seeming wall to your left with green chairs and a blue floor, or if the one to your right with blue chairs and a green floor was the one you started on. Which was floor? Which was ceiling? You can't remember. You pick up another book and find it shifting before your eyes. At first you think it's being written in and then being erased magically all at once. But as you watch, you start to see the truth. It's as if multiple hands are writing in this book at once, in white ink and in black. A page almost wholly black with words will be disturbed by the entry of a passage in white ink, looking to be white words on a black page, before it's overwritten with dark ink once more, seemingly to erase the white words. Yet, you know, they are not erased. They still exist there, under the layers and layers of ink, somewhere. A voice sounds from your pack. Opening it, you pull out a book. Inside, instead of pages, is a mouth. It doesn't try to bite you, it doesn't act overtly hostile, but the tongue lashes and writhes hideously. The ladders around you shift, becoming bars and fences that twist and turn, locking you in, labyrinthine before you and encroaching at the same time, closer and closer. The mouth in the books cries, The rules serve only those who make them. I lend aid to those who'd break them. Acid spews from the book mouth and melts the ladder bars, leaving a path open for you to run. And you do. You run and run and run and awaken. So, folks, uh, I hope that you enjoyed that little bit of little bit of backstory and little bit of exposition. Uh, chance for me to show off some of my description and purple prose. Some of those boons have been called in. Some of those deities have been identified. Planeswalker, I identified the god in his dream as Beshbebti with Yolanda's help and has gained a couple of assistances seemingly from Beshbebti in exerting his control over others, usually through grapples. He also has heard a snake strike in his ear and found that his sword strike has done a little bit more damage, seemingly, than it normally would have, but he hasn't yet positively identified the devil behind said actions. Yolanda pretty easily identified both of hers, Belarel and Zlalga, and has in fact called in both of those boons, calling in the boon of Belarel to help aid 
in the defense of small town Sal Almaris and calling in the boon of Zlalga to help her in personal pursuits, which is something which the Lord of Ambition always supports. Armina did identify both of hers as well, although only one at first. The second one took a minute. Salmti and Alblela. Salmti being the gender-neutral deity figure of invention, discovery, pushing the boundaries and breaking new ground. Alblela being the deviless of tricks, and in fact, coincidentally, the mistress of Yolanda's quote-unquote friend demon, Zigzik. Quixie identified the three figures in her dream as being the god-goddess and the devil-deviless of knowledge, Vargilar and Ra'ale Drav, as well as the devilish entity Agdarad, who is the lord of subversion and considered to be a patron of all rule-breakers, those who seek to evade oppression, and oftentimes is a mantle taken up by those experimenting with other unconventional methods uh, and perhaps perversions as well, as many things on the mortal realm tend to be made about sex, even if they weren't to begin with. So yes, I, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope it was a little bit interesting, and I sure hope you like the sound of my voice, because you're probably going to be getting a whole lot more of it, given that this seems to be the way of things for a little while now. We are going to be looking at doing something with online sessions perhaps, but for the time being, I hope this helps sate some of those urges and cravings. Feel free to hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, anything like that. We've got other fun things for you to partake of there and throw us questions and we can answer them. Throw us suggestions and we might give it a shot. Until then, uh, stay safe, keep having fun, tune in next time.